folks. It's Todd Dills back here with another edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast. Just two days out from Christmas, and with some road listening, you'll be excited for taking. Regular Overdrive readers among you will know about our podcast co-production with PRX's Radiotopia Network early this year of Over the Road. Our own long-haul Paul Marhofer hosted the eight-episode series, in which we all attempted to give mainstream general public listeners a feel for the wide array of voices and issues emanating out of and hotly debated within the owner-operator community. Today, we're starting a run back through those episodes in the order they appeared. They won't hit the Overdrive Radio feed every single week, but we'll get through them over the course of the next few months, as I'm certain a lot of you missed the first go-around. We've had a large number of new listeners who found us this year. And while Over the Road was broadcast for a general listening audience, we did the best we could to accommodate the perspectives and needs of those who, like you, are on the inside of trucking. I think what emerged throughout was an uncommon sort of end result, a story that became less of an explainer of trucking to the outsider and an exploration of the present through stories of the past within it, in a lot of different ways. Stakes made, redeemed, careers launched and ruined and relaunched, and so much more. And hey, Mention of those historical aspects, both personal and more broad in nature, depending on the episode. That makes a great segue to another bit of news for the new year. 2021 happens to be Overdrive's 60th anniversary. Over the course of the year to come, we'll be sharing weekly a variety of lookbacks on our own history, multifaceted as it is, as well as the history embodied in the trucks and truckers we've covered through the many, many years. Over the Road, which ran between February and June of this year, and the many operators it featured were significant parts of that most recent history, of course. And if you haven't heard it, hang in with me here and give it a whirl. Paul Moorhofer, an excellent writer as most know, both of narrative and song, in addition to being a working long hauler, Paul really made the thing go. With support of the rest of the team, particularly sound designer, producer Ian Koss, and uh, executive producer Julie Shapiro with Radiotopia. I can't thank those two enough for working with Paul and myself on it. Before we get there, though, I wanted to give you a little taste of an interview I did with owner-operator German Soweth out of Frederick, Maryland. Pulling in dumps lately, principally in a 1997 Kenworth W900 that I featured a little more than a year ago in a video and on the Channel 19 blog. When I saw owner-operator Soweth again this year at That's a Big Ten Four on DC in Washington, though, he was there with a 1976 vintage Kenworth cab over he'd told me about before. He was, interestingly enough, getting ready to put it into service uh, after a long retirement, given a significant breakdown with his 1990s conventional. I was just coming home off the interstate, running Interstate 70, and I was climbing up out of Town Hill, going eastbound, and uh, the engine just started making a horrendous vibration and clunking noise and pulled her right over and didn't even hesitate. Just called the tow truck and had her towed home. And then we tore into it, dropped the pan, and we realized that the uh, crankshaft had cracked on a counterweight. There's more where that came from, including German Soweth's tale of his experience of the early pandemic period back in March and April. But before that, here's a message from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. 
If you're a leased owner-operator, you need quality insurance to keep you protected. Call First Guard for the commercial truck insurance you need and the service you deserve. First Guard is the trucker's insurance company. We understand your needs and offer physical damage and non-trucking liability insurance for leased owner-operators. With First Guard, you always get fast and friendly service. Visit firstguard.com. That's the number one, stguard.com. First Guard, we speak trucker. Let's talk. Stayed pretty busy, as busy as I've wanted to be. Could be a little bit busier, but uh, uh, seemed like as as it was, I've never stopped. If I wanted to keep working, I could have kept yeah, working yeah. the whole time. I could have kept working. So it's just a matter of I took, I guess, back in March, I took one week off when it initially hit, and everybody was trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Then I uh, just packed the other truck up with everything that I would need, and uh, basically just lived in the truck, carried all my food with me, and never really saw anybody except for my shippers and receivers. Yeah and stuff like that and fuel. It, through the paperwork, you really didn't even have it where uh, you were handing off any paper to anybody like that. It was just one sheet goes to somebody, we just hand it to them. I wasn't allowed in any of the facilities. They had you out, they had restrooms located outside for you. Um, everybody just social distanced and did our stuff and you know the type of work I do, which is dump trailer work that you know we just stayed away from each other and it was easy. You know, get into a plant, they would have a number there that you would call somebody, they had a cell phone, you'd let them know where you're there, and they'd switch it all over and come down and give you the thumbs up and just put it in the pit and drive away. So sometimes even the stuff was just electronically sent and I never had any paperwork. So it was just sent via email and I just kept one copy in the truck for, for the government and that was about it. So if I got to take a picture of a bill, I usually could take a picture of it and then just email it to somebody or, or, or uh, text it to somebody. When we talked on the National Mall in October, Soeth was gearing up to put the 1976 KW cab over into service within a couple of weeks. Still has hysterical tags on it, and it'll uh, hopefully within the next two and a half weeks it will start, you know, seeing its first loads. They need to get uh, Maryland inspected, and at that point get an apportioned tag for it, and then put a wet line kit on it, and at that point I'm ready to go. But it's going in the shop. Made the appointment. It's going in the shop next week, and. Well, I just found it in the neighborhood of Maryland there, and then that's a uh, 1976 cab over KW with a small block 350 Cummins in it with a 15 speed, and uh, it's, it's, it was a basket case, and it's slowly coming together. <laughs> so, it was it was been put together just through over. I've had it for about three years now, and uh, slowly just getting together, piece day by day and piece by piece. It's lately I've just kind of uh, sped up that process. I just bought it from a scrapper down the street from me. A friend of mine was over at his place buying some other stuff and saw it there and called me and I didn't really pay attention. And one day he asked if I'd go look at it and I really said no. And then at that point I made a phone call and just saw it sitting in a, in a scrapyard lot. And at that point I came over there right away. And the second day I went back out with a friend and we looked at it and the guy knew I was probably going to buy it because he had a million phone calls about it but everybody nobody ever showed up and <laughs> said you showed up within two days of each other and third day I purchased it. Tires, the wheels, need a complete new brake job, uh, brake shoes, brake drums, all the hoses, everything, everything related brakes all the way around complete. Uh, wheels, tires, uh, the spring system, exhaust system, electrical system and just knickknacks and stuff like that, cleaning it up, getting all the speedometer, tachometer, everything, all the cables right, get the little gearboxes right for the speedometer. Everything just took a period of time and just, just putting it all together because there was nothing there for me to work with at that time. People move things around as we noticed, so it's the battery box is on the uh, driver's side versus being on the passenger side. But 
like I said, I don't, I'm one owner of who knows how many of them. So through that life, somebody moved those battery boxes and air cleaners around. So I have no backstory on any of that. I just know it's not right. Uh, well, the doghouse was completely broken, okay. completely cracked. So we completely gutted out the whole inside of the truck. And that's where I learned how to fiberglass. So we got the, we got the back end straightened out, the doghouse, everything straightened out. And we uh, started fiberglassing it. And, putting it together slowly, straightening everything out. Now we had to get the, again, I guess I had to put a whole new cab lift on there and everything, so I did all that and got the back end straightened out. So when it goes up, it goes up perfectly straight. Everything's tight on that. Cleaned the interior out, put seats in, then uh, new floors and stuff like that. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, like I said, over three years, everything's been put together. New lights, the new dashes, switches, everything in there. Getting the, the rat's nest of all the wiring underneath the and boxes and stuff like that straightened out and just putting it all together. Watch OverdriveOnline.com for a video with plenty of views on the cab over next week between Christmas and New Year's. You can catch a picture or two of it too now in the Channel 19 post for December 23rd, 2020 that houses this podcast. Visit OverdriveOnline.com slash Channel 19. Now on to Over the Road. Yet another fitting reason to listen back into it right now is the news last week that plans for the 2021 Mid-America Trucking Show have been put on hold pending rescheduling for either September or all the way into 2022, given the ongoing pandemic. Much of this Over the Road episode's interviews happened to occur at the last edition of Matt's that was held in 2019. Think of it as a welcome trip down memory lane to a time when four people could talk for hours within the confines of a tractor's cab in lieu of a recording studio, when windows rolled up and everything, without much worry of just who was infecting who and with what. You'll recognize some things that are to an extent out of date about this episode, particularly given hours of service changes that did in fact address some of the issues outlined here that went into, uh, went into effect this September, uh, though the ELD mandate does remain reality. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, though. I'll give it over to Long Haul Paul. Hope you enjoy. Four years ago, I was northbound on I-75 in Knoxville, Tennessee. My cargo? A load of imported watermelons. They had sailed on a container ship from Guatemala to South Florida, where they were transferred by forklift onto big trucks driven by folks like me. These were those tiny, seedless, designer types they call personal watermelons. I always wondered about the marketing cat who came up with that one. Personal watermelons. It's like a watermelon you can have as a friend. I was pulling a refrigerated trailer back then. A reefer, as we call them. A reefer is a heavily insulated box trailer equipped with a giant diesel-powered temperature control unit. It's actually got the capacity to maintain more than 40,000 pounds of perishable freight at temperatures as cold as 20 below. It was rush hour in Knoxville, or K-Town in Trucker Code. Traffic came to a screeching halt at the junction of I-75 and I-640. I got stopped in time, but the trucker behind me, well, not so much. Boom! Shoot! Rear-ended. 
I took a minute to collect myself and walked to the back of the trailer to check first on the other driver. He said he was okay. Then I opened the vent hatch to check my load. What seconds before had been a perfectly picked personal watermelon was now prolapsing through its ruptured rind down the crumpled exterior of what had once been the trailer's stainless steel door and on to my trembling hand. Sorry, friend. Unbeknownst to me at the time, this baptism and the puree of a personal watermelon would come to be my own creative Big Bang. Strangely, as a result of this event, I would come to be a part-time recording artist, a contributor for Overdrive magazine, and now even a card-carrying, podcast-producing Radiotopian. I'm Long Haul Paul. You're listening to Over the Road. That Lucille, Lucille from Mobile. Come on, baby. Let's truck it up. Do it, baby. Now I'm on the top of this mountain, and I know I still got to get down the other side somehow. And I'm so scared, I'm shaking. But I know quite a few drivers that swear by roasting salmon over their engine. We were willing to take a pot-bellied pig. We tried to even pick up a 60-pound tortoise. You know, a lot of people say, ah, times are changing. It ain't that way anymore. But why, why shouldn't it be that way? Here's how this is going to work. We've been traveling all over the country, down the highways and the hedges, collecting the real stories of real people who live and work over the road. We've got eight episodes for you. In each one, we explore how trucking is changing today. And along the way, I'll tell you a few of my own stories. Heck, I might even sing you a few songs. Let's start out at a place called the Kentucky Expo Center in Louisville, home to the Mid-America Trucking Show, or MATS for short. Think of a Home Depot, about 12 times its normal size, then fill it with trucks, truck drivers, and every possible thing anyone has ever thought of to make a buck off a trucker. It's an automatic snow chain system. It works good. So what we're selling is bedbug heaters for truckers that have cabs. Throw in 90,000 people with some concerts and swag, and you've got the Mid-America Trucking Show. You've got your air freshener dudes. Odor eliminated products for the highway professionals. I love those guys. We say three sprays last for days. Tell me about this beef jerky. You've got those old boys who make the beef jerky. It's the most tender beef jerky you'll ever eat. Feel that. That's really tender. I actually love those guys too. Oh, we are an insurance company that specializes in owner operators. They're the international vendors hoping to land that big contract. Supply. 
big truck makers are here, like Kenworth and Peterbilt. Uh, we have our new 579 Ultraloft in its blackout. Also, model truck makers. Uh, I'm proud to tell people I can't afford a real one, but I can hook you up with a real nice toy one. But for many longtime gear jammers, that signifies something more. It's a hobo convention of sorts. A chance to see old trucking buddies and to swap stories. And that's why we're here. If you want to know what's going on in the trucking world, this is a good place to start. But first, let's cover some basics. There are 4.2 million Americans who hold a CDL. That's a commercial driver's license. A CDL allows us to drive a vehicle weighing over 26,000 pounds. Together, we move 70% of all domestic freight. Think of it. Everything you see at the store, everything you buy online, moves by truck at some point. Add it all up, we're talking about a $700 billion industry, moving literally 55 billion pounds of stuff every day. At that rate, American truckers could haul off the Great Pyramid of Giza, stone by stone, about five times a day. Of course, there are lots of different types of truckers and trucks out there. Refrigerated freight trucks, they call them reefer trucks. You know, like what I drive. Flatbeds, we should call them skateboards. Those big flat trailers with loads of lumber and steel. Car haulers, they call them parking lots. Bed bugger is a furniture hauler. A tanker truck, we call a tanker yanker. I drive one of those sometimes too. Trucks that haul bull, they call them bull haulers. I mean, there's all kinds of terminology for them. As you can imagine, we have our own factions, cliques, and hierarchies. Flatbedders don't usually associate with the reefer guys like me, and the bull haulers could never see themselves as freight haulers, or door swingers as they call them, because all a door swinger does is back up to the dock and swing the doors open and shut. Or so they say. But here, for three days at least, none of that matters. We're all just drivers, and not a one of us came here to have a bad time. Volvo Dynamic Steering with Stability Assist is a new innovation from Volvo Trucks. A lot of the talk at Matt's this year is about new technology. When a truck starts to skid, it seems every part of the truck has got a computer in it now. Suspension seat is turned on. Even the seat. Notice how much of the bouncing is eliminated by the active suspension seat's computer-controlled motor. And there's a feeling the technology is not just changing the truck, but it's changing us and the way we do business. That the codes and culture of trucking are eroding before our eyes. I bump into a Facebook friend on the show floor named Greg Murphy, who now works for Uber. Threw in a, a resume and I figured, oh, this is never gonna happen. Yes, the rideshare company. Uber. And here I am. Now, Greg, you you have a unique story because you are a, a, a longtime truck driver. Right, exactly. Who yeah. has become like the 
public relations liaison for Uber. Is that exactly kind of the interpreter? Be I would yeah. call it between uh, the trucking community and uh, Uber Freight. Greg is affable, middle-aged, with a salt and pepper beard and a cool fedora. More truck driver than computer person, that's for sure. All around him is a veritable phalanx of Uber's black-shirted millennials. But Greg speaks fluent trucker. And so he pulls out his phone and shows me... Okay. Another middle-aged guy in yet another fedora. So here it is, it opens up. How to use the Uber Freight app. And it knows that I'm in Louisville today, so now it's thinking about it. And so it has these little cards for each load, right? So instead of connecting cars with riders, Uber Freight is connecting trucks with loads. So read that off to us, Greg, if you would. So this one's is from Walton, Kentucky to Los Alamos, California for 3070 That's the price for this load. It's 1,800 miles. It has what type of trailer, the load number and all that, uh, what it is, the weight. All I have to do is tap that card and the load is mine. No phone calls, no haggling. Technology's coming and it's uh, we need to embrace it and, and be part of the conversation. I have to wonder though, at 3,000 bucks on a stated distance of 1,800 miles, doesn't no haggle simply mean take it or leave it? You have no choice. I'm going to just confess to you, there is a primal fear about the power of a company like this. I think change overall is just difficult for people to embrace. It's unfamiliar. We don't know what it's going to look like, and that creates anxiety. That said, truckers are embracing new technology and using it for their own benefit. You've got quite a hat collection. Well, way back when, I gave myself heat stroke by being stupid. Take Sandra Goshi. Basically, you tell them how the people treated you, if you were professional, if there was a bathroom that you could use, because there's a lot of places that don't allow truckers to use their bathroom. She's telling me about Doc 411. It's a rating app, basically like Yelp for loading docks. You kind of help the trucker after you or the person after you They've surveyed over 10,000 truckers about their experiences. Sandra here is Doc 411's number one reviewer. If they have forklifts that you use forklifts, um, what are some of the other attributes, Stephen, that you can think of? Um, if there's overnight parking, if you can sleep there in the overnight parking. Sandra drives as a team with her uh, husband, Stephen. Professionalism, how you were treated professional. If, if I was to read the review that I put in for this one doc, I would never take freight into this doc. We went in there the first time and we waited three hours to get unloaded, which that's okay. Second time we went in there, we waited 13 hours. No bathrooms, no facilities, and couldn't leave the truck. Reviews like that are added up and turned into a scorecard for every doc they do business with. Doc 411, it's one of those things that it's like, it's never going to be complete because there's always going to be new docs but it's gonna be a big relief to all us truckers. But there's still another technology on truckers' minds at Matt's this year. Right now, that e-log. Something much more 
consequential than a new app. The electronic log situation has become a pretty big issue. It's uh, called an ELD. The new ELD mandate has electronic a logging uh, device. We still didn't need an e-log versus an e-log. I mean, most of the time we now didn't, we didn't have e-logs. That's the biggest thing. Take the e-log and shoot. It ain't riding with me no more. This e-log issue is all playing out right now. And it's pretty much the biggest change that's come to our culture, at least since I started trucking. Hundreds of big rigs took over Highway 99 in protest today, creating a show. Some truckers have even put on protests about ELDs. Right here, guys, 95 southbound is shut down. It's one of those things that just keeps coming up in our conversations with drivers. So on our first day at Matt's, we find ourselves at the vintage Maroon well, Peterbilt of someone who's been at the center of so much of the protest. Yeah, so uh, my name's Mike Landis from uh, Lidditz, Pennsylvania, a little Amish country town in Lancaster County. Um, <clears throat> I got into trucking right out of high school, pretty much. I got my CDL after I graduated. First time I got behind a wheel at the driving school at the local Votech, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> are all about how truckers record their driving and working hours. So yeah, we have uh, what they call our hours of service, which is um, once you come on duty, you're allowed 14 hours of working time. Um, 11 of that 14 can be driving, but then you have to take 10 hours off before you can go back to work. So every day you get 14 hours on duty and you have to take 10 hours off. Problem with that is, is that once you start your day, your clock for the day doesn't stop. Now in the past, those hours were recorded in paper logbooks. Every driver kept a set of books in the cab, recorded their time with a pen on a four-line grid, and made that log available to inspectors and state patrol. Basically, you regulated yourself. So to me, that's important because I was taught the old way of trucking. You know, you do what you got to do to get the job done, but you sleep when you're tired and, you know, you truck when you're awake. If you took a quick nap in your shift or ran a little over the time limit, you could juggle that. Clerically, I mean. Um, you don't turn into a zombie just because you're five minutes past your time and fall asleep and drive off the side of the road. That is, you could juggle it until the electronic logging device... And uh, basically what that does is it hooks into the computer on the motor of the truck and it records everything you do. Uh, you know, how hard you're on the throttle, how hard you're on the brake, if you're moving, if you're stopped, your speed, the whole nine yards. It counts down every second of your day. So whereas before on a paper log book, if you're five minutes past your time point in a truck stop, um, nobody knew the difference, no harm, no foul. But now, I mean, I've seen people backed halfway in a parking spot and truck stops already because if they finish backing up, their ELD is going to put them in violation to go another 50 feet and back the truck up into a parking spot. Yeah, you hear stories like this all the time. Trucks beached like whales in the most god-awful places because their drivers ran out of hours. You've probably seen those trucks yourself. That's because in December 2017, a new mandate came into effect requiring virtually all trucks on the road to run an electronic log. 
And to me, it's a slap in the face. Driving a truck at 18 years old, I'm now 33, closing in on 2 million miles, I have a clean driving record. To me, that all comes down to the way I was taught. That comes down to the responsibility of knowing you're operating an 80,000 pound machine. The fact that they're gonna tell me that I need this thing in my truck to keep me safe on the road doesn't sit well with me at all. No, I, 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 I hear you loud and clear. I, we, we do these Tex, Ohio, Texas, Florida triangles a lot. Denise's uh, stepmother is dying. She's in a Louisiana nursing home. And we want to see her. She's days away from dying, literally days away from dying. And I'm on an EOD. We stop to see her. And essentially, we've got to say our goodbyes to her in about 45 minutes because our 14-hour clock is ticking. And I just have this moment of complete clarity that something's got to give. Yeah. And... There's a lot of people that will say, hey, that's not true. They don't force you to drive tired. They don't force you to not take a shower, yada, yada, yada. Well, I mean, you're right. The thing doesn't reach up and grab me and tell me I need to keep trucking. But the sad reality is, is they kind of do. Now, I should say here that Mike does not run an e-log. Um, the reason my truck don't need one is because the cutoff date is 2000 and newer need them and 99 and older do not. So his 99 Peterbilt is just too old to connect to a computer. But Mike has done more than just avoid the new regulation. He's actually fighting it. So we started the United States Transportation Alliance. And uh, the unique thing about us is, is that all of us are drivers that met through doing protest type stuff, um, you know, for the industry. And uh, nobody out here that is making these rules or regulations or pushing for rules or regulations have ever sat behind the wheel for any amount of time and definitely not any time recently. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> you know, when we go to D.C. and we go every month right now, you know, we park our trucks. We meet with congressmen and senators and FMCSA. That's the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. Truckload carriers. We've met with the Teamsters. Um, so it's been it's been a pretty good thing. And we were fortunate enough to help with the hours of service that are supposed to be changed. I'm actually expecting an announcement here at Matt's for that. In fact, the keynote speaker for the weekend is none other than Elaine Chow the United States Secretary of Transportation. Um, so we're hoping that it has to do something with that. I realize things change with the times and technology goes and this and that and the other thing, but trucking's still trucking. And I, I chose, me personally, I chose to drive a truck because I grew up around trucks and I love trucks. And for me, you know, it sounds kind of corny, but the other week I was invited to a concert by someone that we know um, backstage and stuff. And afterwards, we were hanging out and like watching this guy up on stage, you could tell he was just in his zone. And I said, the best way I could describe watching you on stage is like me riding across the California or Arizona desert with a truck pressed out and the moonlit and the chicken lights on and just pipes singing and, dry, you know, cruising. And some people are like, what? I don't get it. You're just driving a truck down the road. And I'm like, yeah, but to me, it's more than just driving a truck yeah. down the road. You know, it, it's the freedom of it. And that's kind of being taken away is what the bad part is. You know, 
if we don't do anything to help fight this stuff, guys like me are going to be gone. After the break, we'll hear that big announcement from Elaine Chow. But first, we venture out onto the parking lot at Matt's. We'll hear why this e-log thing is such a big deal. And I'll tell you what gave for me. And how ELDs led, at least indirectly, to the making of this podcast. Okay, so back to the Mid-America Trucking Show. I want to pick things up the next morning, outside in the parking lot where drivers are busy polishing their trucks. I love trucking, though. It's a lifestyle. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. There are actually two parking lots of trucks at Matt's, each with its own vibe. There's the show lot and the Papa John's lot. We'll explain why it's called that in a minute. But the show lot is home to the Paul K. Young Truck Beauty Championship. And that's where we start our day. My name is Devery Jones. I'm working on excessive behavior number one. My name is Eric Turner. Name of my truck is Showtime. Get your boost pressure down here for your turbo. No, you want to check out my scrapbook? Check this out. This is a place where trucks have names. The Goose is a 1996 Freightliner Classic XL. It's just part of the family. The Goose is my big girl, Phyllis is my little girl. They're festooned with those little amber bulbs we call chicken lights. Every truck driver wants chicken lights and they want chrome. White carpeting, wood floors. It's actually just a wooden floor that you get it from a Home Depot. Really? Yes, sir. For the competition itself, trucks are organized into different sections, marked off with plastic ropes. There are categories like antique custom, limited mileage bobtail. Uh, working class bobtail. And working combo. Meaning I put miles on my truck. My favorite, the antique original. I cut my teeth on one of these trucks. This is a Transtar International. There's nothing like the AM radio reception on an all steel made old school Western star. There are teams who work an entire year to prep a truck for this show. I've seen guys polish on it for a day and a half and they're still rubbing now. You gotta live it, love it, breathe it, bleed it. If you believe, as I do, that a truck can be a work of art, then this is the Guggenheim. There's a lot of history there. A lot of our life has been spent in it, under it, over it. Everything a squirrel can do to a tree, we've done to this truck. How much would you have to have for this truck right now? Uh, 200 grand. What sort of installment plan would you consider? <laughs> no, we couldn't do that. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. As we leave the show lot, I know that 
two hundred grand Peterbilt will never be mined. Let's face it, I'm more of a Papa John's type. Ah, very nice. This lot serves the University of Louisville football stadium, formerly known as the Papa John Stadium. The university dropped that name after the pizza magnate found himself in hot water. But for truckers, the shorthand stuck. In any case, picture a stadium parking lot with rows upon rows of tractor trailers. Only thing is, these aren't show trucks. These are just the trucks people drove here hey, to attend mass. They're all out here now with their camping chairs, <laughs> gas grills, and coolers, walking their dogs in the Kentucky spring air. It's maybe the biggest tailgate in all of trucking. Big enough that you can actually lose your truck in it. At the show lot, I didn't see a single person I knew. But down here in steerage, it's different. How are you doing, Debbie? Now, I'm digging that new chrome bumper. I won't tell you what happened to the last one. Was it a deer? No, it was a fence. A fence. Well, I remember that. A fence that. jumped out at me. Later that night, there's even an impromptu concert. All right, let's get back to it now. And guess who gets invited to sing? Have we got any flatbedders out there? Any flatbedders? Okay, great. Yeah, and yet another side gig. I'm a singer-songwriter. Well, we had a friend. He he fell deeply in love with a female flatbedder. But when she learned that he pulled a reefer, she rejected him because he didn't know how, you know, the chains and the binders. And it's called, I'll never run that back door anymore. Well, she dollied down and dropped me, Lord. Let me like a NASCAR Ford. Took her tin and put it in the wind. Said she couldn't live with the guilt of what we done in that Peterbilt. And I'll never run that back door again. In a way... Concerts like this are a reenactment of a bygone age, when drivers would be laid over at some truck stop. Someone would bring out a grill. Someone would contribute a case of beer. Someone might commandeer a chicken or two off their load. And someone might just have a guitar. She said, Paul, it ain't no use. You're a door swinger, and I ain't gonna live this life. Maybe that's why this e-log thing is such a big deal. Because there just doesn't seem to be time for those encounters anymore. And maybe that's why I still come back here to hear the stories, the stories that seduced me into this life so long ago. Yeah, I started driving in 88, hauling out of Mississippi furniture. That same night, we talked to a guy named Tim. And they would tell you right quick, like, if you cannot turn 5,000 miles a week, we don't need you. We've got a stack of applications over here this thick. We can replace you tomorrow. And of course, then you take dope. You know, I would take a gram of good crank dope and I would do a line every three or 400 miles. And for some, there really was this dark side to the old days. 
I mean, taking whatever drugs you could take to stay awake. Stories like this of trucking's wilder days really aren't that hard to come by around here. We would stop exit 30 in Tennessee, exit 200 in Virginia. And for some reason, Favors, now, which is exit more than ever, I think, we've been herded onto the digital reservation of the e-log. It's like we have to tell these stories. I remember one time, I went all the way to Boston. I would try to get through traffic, trying to get back. Massachusetts State Police pulls me over. He pats my pockets. I had on cargo pants. The, the bottle was down at the bottom of it. He missed it. I could have got years in the penitentiary then. So I, I go down to the rest area in Rhode Island, and I celebrate, and I do me two lines of dope just to get on back. But then it wasn't to get high. It was to do a job. It was, to, it was for, for your work. It wasn't yes. recreational. It's turn it miles. Turn it burn, man. How did you get off of that stuff? There's three ways you get off a crank. Meth. Jail, the grave, or Jesus. Uh, I was in Amarillo, and I'd been up two or three days, and I prayed, God, you know, help me. And he spoke to me, and he said, it's up to you. It was through the grace of God that I got off of it. So you're now you're off the crank. Yes. You've prayed, God's intervened. What do you tell your boss that needs 5,000 miles a week out from you? <laughs> Told him I can't do it no more. I work for myself. I'm an owner-operator now. Owner-operator Thank now. God he delivered me from that aspect, too. Now, I work when I want to. Thank God I've been delivered. I got my first ELD back in 2016. A few months after that watermelon wreck I told you about in Knoxville, the fleet I worked for announced that we would roll out an e-log pilot program. Guinea pigs were needed. Something about Knoxville jarred me more than it should have. For years, I had pushed myself to the limit as a produce hauler and had never been bothered by the what-ifs. But after Knoxville, it just seemed like my nine lives were up. At that time, the e-log felt like kind of a way out of all that. So I let Brenda, our safety officer, know I would give it a try. Yep, that's right, folks. I volunteered. When the day came, they trained me on how to operate the e-log, which recorded the truck's data straight onto a basic Samsung tablet. The company told me not to go crazy on Netflix, and off I went. Since I was now carting around this brand new tablet, I started recording some of my songs and posting them on YouTube. This song came to me in a dream. It was something like this. I also began writing about my experience of being an old trucker who had to make the e-log switch. I mostly did this as a cathartic exercise, but on a whim, I sent some of these ramblings to an editor at Overdrive magazine named Todd Dills. You heard from Todd earlier. Todd wound up giving me a shot on his blog, now on this podcast. 
So at the risk of being shunned by all my trucker friends, I have to say, in a way, I owe all this to e-logs. Children, let me tell you about life's greatest sin. It's rolling down the road thinking what you could have been with your shoebox of songs just pushing that tin so you can eat, sleep, and die. But enough about me. All weekend, drivers are waiting for that big update that Mike was telling us about on the new rules for e-logs, what we call hours of service. Yeah, we've had a few people sign up to be members and stuff so far while we've been Mike here. Landis uh, even has a booth set up on the showroom floor of Matt's. Dropped a couple thousand dollars out of my own company to build the booth and we trucked it here and stuff He's like got that. a whole crew here dressed in their matching black shirts you know, to get the word out there and show people who we are and what we're doing and what better place to do it where there's thousands of truck drivers at one spot you know it's been a year now since the eld mandate went into effect and we're all feeling it in one way or the other so we sit through long seminars by government administrators but no news Then on our last day at Matt's, Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow gets up to give us the keynote address. If the DOT has something to say, this would be the time. But right away, the power goes out. Eventually, the power comes back. She gets to what we're all waiting to hear. So I'm pleased to announce today that the department is moving forward with the next step, which is a notice of proposed rulemaking regarding hours of service rules. <coughs> so I can't go into the details, but let me note that the department understands. Still nothing. No news. Flexibility and is giving it serious consideration. Just then, the department looks forward an alarm sounds. Someone trying to tell us something? They don't want to let me tell you this good news. I think they're not, they're not worried about it. Instead, the speech turns to the usual platitudes. You are the lifeblood of what makes our commerce. Work. I'm so tired of that line. You enable bread to appear on our grocery shelves. Blah, blah, blah. And we want to thank you for it. America will come to And without really saying much of anything at all, Elaine Chow bids us all farewell. For the rest of us. Thank you so much. America Trucking Show closed the next day. The show trucks drove out in formation while the Papa John's lot gradually disbanded. Matt's was done, but we're just getting started. We're going to keep following this ELD issue across the series. 
We'll hear how Mike Landis brought his fight to the streets of Washington, D.C. and found unlikely allies in the process. For some context, we'll go deep into the history of trucking with one of my favorite writers. We'll hang out at truck stops and meet the families of truckers to understand how this business affects the people around us. And we'll peer into a future where the trucks may just drive themselves. But first, we're going to Grand Island, Nebraska to find out why anyone would want to drive a truck in the first place. I was intrigued. And so I called her up and I said, now, now come again about this truck driving. Now, what did you say? Thanks to everyone who entrusted us with their stories. We'll catch you again over the road. Mama said to me, son, you know you can become whatever you want to be. So by my old grizzled brow, it hurts me somehow for her to see what became of me. See, at 19 years old, I was restless and bold when the highway called me one day. Now it's down in my blood and it rolls like a flood and it takes everything its way. Now I'm working over the road. a lot of people to make a podcast and I'm going to tell you about all of them. Our Over the Road Pit Crew includes producer and sound designer Ian Koss and contributing producer Lacey Roberts at Transmitter Media. Our editor for Overdrive Magazine is Todd Dills. Our digital producer is Aaron Wade. Our project manager is Audrey Martovich. And our executive producer for Radiotopia is Julie Shapiro. I'm Long Haul Paul. All the music on the show is by Ian Koss and myself, featuring performances by Travis the Snake Man Womack, Terry Two Socks Richardson, the late great Roger Clark, Jan Gullett, Jim Whitehead, and Andrew Marshall. Additional engineering by Donnie Gullett in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. Special thanks to these drivers and vendors whose voices you heard throughout. J.D. Howard of the Ohio Great Lakes Regions, Atlanta-based small fleet owner-operator Eric Turner, Daniel and Phyllis Snow of the Goose Freightliner Classic, Chad Boblet from Kentucky Horse Country, Robert Palm, creator of TruckersFinalMile.org, Christopher Burnett of Burnett Farm Toys, and Debbie Dingo Deserato. We also heard from Devray Jones, Jason Earlywine, James Raines, Bubba Davis, fellow singing truckers Brad James, Taylor Barker, and the Jake Brake junkie himself, Terrence Mathis. Over the Road is made possible by support from the folks I've worked for for a really long time. Molar Trucking, now celebrating over 30 years of safe and reliable transportation for the food industry. For more information, check out molartrucking.com. Over the Road is a collaboration between Overdrive Magazine and PRX's Radiotopia, a collection of the best independent podcasts around. I've turned a lot of overnight reefer loads listening to shows like The Memory Palace and Criminal. Seriously, find out more about the whole network at radiotopia.fm. Look for Overdrive Magazine at overdriveonline.com or you can read Todd's Channel 19 blog. 
hear the Overdrive Radio podcast and explore more about trucking. You can find Over the Road online at overtheroad.fm. Be sure to follow us on all those usual platforms too. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Over the Road Pod. You can see some of my videos on YouTube by looking for Long Haul Paul Music. Thanks for listening. Hanging in till the end of the run. We'll be back next week with a Channel 19 special. Then in two weeks, with more stories from over the road. Well, the road knows her own, her own here a call. Some they would follow, some they would fall. Some they would squander their souls in the sand by the sweat of their brow, the dirt of their hands working over the road. a watermelon you can have as a friend. It's like a watermelon you can have as a friend. You can have as a friend. You can have as a friend. No, no, that's way you can have as a friend. No, 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 no. Like a watermelon you can have as a friend. Oh, the outtakes. Thanks for hanging in, operators. And a big thanks again to our sponsor, First Guard. We'll be back next week with our annual year in review through selections from the most listened to editions of Overdrive Radio of the Year, from life and death equipment early in the year, to bad brokers and identity thieves, and yes, those hours of service changes closer to the end. Stay pro out there. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive Magazine. Sign up to receive Overdrive's daily newsletter featuring trucking news, views, and analysis geared toward current and prospective owner-operators and small fleet owners via overdriveonline.com slash newsletter hyphen sign up. The podcast is edited and produced by myself, Todd Dills, with no small amount of support from Overdrive Extra contributor Paul Marhofer, Overdrive Editorial Director Max Heine, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, News Editor Matt Cole, and Executive Editor James Gillette. Here's a Merry Christmas to all of you. Till next time.